Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Andrew Krauss. I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. Um, we're going to be doing a whole hour on question and answer on licensing. So when you license a product, you don't need the money, you don't need employees, and you don't need to start a business. They have all that in place. Isn't that a great thing? So um, start typing in your questions. Um, if somebody can type yes, just to confirm you can hear me to make sure my mic is working. You never know with YouTube if that's going to work or not. Uh, it does like 98% of the time, but just in case, I don't need to be speaking. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, everybody's typing in yes. Thank you so much. Um, sound like Elvis there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> today's um, theme is taking action. So what we've been doing is when we do these Q&As, we'll have a theme and I'll answer questions with that theme. So today's theme is taking action, which is a great theme. We've had different uh, different themes, and so we'll kind of infuse that into answering some of your questions. Um, if uh, those people watching the replay that we're going to do up later, or we're live right now, if you guys give me a thumbs up, that would be great. Also, for those people that are live right now, if you could uh, give me a thumbs up. If everybody give us a thumbs up, that would show your appreciation for us doing this and giving you guys uh, free advice. All right. Um, oh, so I put in the chat um, a couple links. Uh, one is our, our uh, buyer's guide and a giveaway. So we're giving away our students have licensed products because we've guided them and they've done the work. And so if you click on that link that's in the chat, the buyer's guide, you can see our students that have licensed products. These are products you can currently buy today, right now, if you wanted to. Um, but if you enter that contest, you can win every week or giving away three of our students' products. You can click on that link and enter the contest. It's it's just a giveaway, and you can win one of their products. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's see what else we got here. All right, good. So let's just jump in. And uh, last week, winners. Yeah, we every week we've been announcing the winners. So we did. Um, I don't think they're announced yet, last week's winners, but... Um, they should be within a day or so. It's Monday today. So um, we should be getting those out. Like, I think we'd usually we've been getting them out like Tuesday or Wednesday or so for the prior week. Anyway. All right. Uh, Mike is, has a question. Uh, is a work for hire like an NDA? That's a good question. Um, so again, and everything we do today, we want to use the theme taking action. Okay. And it, we've had other themes, um, but that's today's theme. So a work for hire is kind of like an NDA. It includes an NDA, but it can include additional verbiage. An NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, basically says that you need to keep confidential what they share with you and what you share with them, depending if it's bilateral or which way it is, or both ways, preferably, um, that you need to keep the things you guys share with each other confidential. And it can have different clauses, be a little stricter, a little looser. Um, I've seen agreements actually that said NDA or non-disclosure agreement at the top. When you read through it, you realize it's actually a um, a disclosure agreement. You know, so do not. So one little tip there is do not count on the title at the top of it. You got to actually read through the NDA to determine how how much of a uh, non-disclosure agreement is this for each of the parties? So Mike's question is, is it work for hire like an NDA? A work for hire is something you're gonna give me, you're gonna give to somebody, you're not gonna give to me, you're gonna give to an engineer. Well, you can give it to us, all our students. We sign it for all our students. Give it to an engineer or a graphic designer. And basically you're saying, hey, I'm gonna show you my product. I'm gonna disclose confidential information. Don't disclose it to anybody else and then as i've always stated here that if you want to go a little bit further this is for contractors an engineer a graphic designer somebody you can have an improvements clause that says not only do you keep it confidential but if you come up with an improvement i own that too now if you send that to a potential licensee that can freak the hell out of them because they're like we're working on things in this space blah blah, blah. gotta be very careful about sending an nda with an improvements clause to a potential licensee, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to send it to an engineer or a graphic designer or something. So Mike, to answer your question, uh, a work for hire agreement includes an NDA, but 
it's a different thing. It's saying I'm hiring you to do this work. When you send an NDA to a potential licensee, it's not obviously it's not a work for hire agreement. Okay. And anything I share with you today should not be considered legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. So there's my little disclaimer. Mike said also, do you hear about Bed Bath and Beyond closing all its stores? Yeah, that's been, you know, Bed Bath Beyond has been kind of one of those meme stocks a little bit too, to a certain extent. Um, that was inevitable. I mean, if you've been following that, that was going to happen, has been threatening to happen for a really, really long time. I Don't quote me on the timeline, but I'm thinking three years or more. So that's not a surprise. Here's the thing, though. Retailers will change. Companies will change. The American public in particular and people around the world have an insatiable appetite for new products. They always need new products from companies. Companies will always need you because they're looking for those new new products. So um, there's always a, a market there. And so so the retailers change like when toys r us went out of business people will shift to buying toys for somebody else um, bad bath neon people will buy certain things from them people will shift to buy those things from somebody else um, there's still a, a huge demand for products so i don't really see that affecting you guys and today's theme is taking action i don't think there's anything to take action on there except for look for potential licensees that are selling where you want to be and that can change from from time to time all right, uh, Margie said, who's a regular as well. Hi, Andrew, I sent my sell sheet video to a potential licensee and they emailed me back saying he liked it and let's try to talk Monday afternoon. I replied, that would be fine with my phone number. However, he never called back and now I'm wondering if I should try calling him after a day or two or should I email or what should I do? I don't want to come across as pushy or rude, but I'd like to ask what happened. Don't say what happened. Just say, would you have time to talk? Like, don't act like anything wrong happened. Um, people get really busy. They just do these days. People are super busy. So I just follow up and say, hey, when would be a good time to talk? You thought it'd be, um, you know, good on Monday, but I know you're probably super busy. When would be a good time? It's just that simple. That is not the exception. That is the rule. That is the norm. The norm. One, one weird thing that people trip out on and a lot of what we do here at invent right is give you a point of reference on what's normal what's not um is people you know have a hard time getting into companies and then when they do get into companies they think that now like they're they're golden like the company or the person said in the company the marketing manager oh sure send me your sell sheet send me your video send me send me something and now the inventor gets upset that they didn't respond. Why? They're busy. So yeah, they send, send it to me in the inventor's mind. They have this close, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking, but you think now you have this close personal relationship. No, they said, yeah, I'll take a look at it, right? So for you sometimes to, after they said, yes, I'll look at it, but follow up with them two, three, four, five times is normal. All right. That's normal. That's not, oh, they screwed me. They said I want to look at it. Now they didn't get back to me in two days. Or they didn't even get back to me two times after emailing them. Maybe they want a vacation. Maybe they're just super swamped. They're super overwhelmed. You know, that's okay. It's normal. And see, that's why one of many reasons why our InventRight students are successful when other inventors aren't. We teach them to be very persistent, polite, pests. Polite, persistent, polite pests and you're not following up every day because that's not polite but you're persistent in such a manner so and you know it's like going from dreaming up ideas to actually doing this boring stuff and realizing that you need to follow up with them quite a few times sometimes that is when you're a pro okay but it it takes people a little of adjusting and people's expectations are completely and utterly unrealistic on the amount of follow-up they need or your level of importance to them, okay? Now, they need new products. If they like a new product, they're gonna take a look at it, but you're not at the top of their list during their day, right? Now, if their boss said, we need new products, and then you're in there at the right time, they might put you at the top of their list. 
and you might go up and down and up and down and then whoop, you go way up here and before you know it, you did a deal with them, right? And that's normal, okay? So today's theme is taking action and the most important form of taking action is following up, not in a pesky sort of way, but a, a persistent sort of way on a proper timeline, which is not every other day. But Margie doesn't need to be worried about them not connecting. He was going to try to connect on Monday. It didn't work out. No big deal. Follow up. And Margie, I don't think you're being pushy if you follow up and say, hey, we didn't connect today. Like kind of reminding him we were supposed to connect today, but not in a passive aggressive way. Just, you know, when would be a good time, you know, and you make it easy, easy for him. Um, okay. Uh, Dave said, if I have a different type of plastic, would I reach out to the manufacturer that makes a pl the plastic who sells to a company or would I reach out to the company that uses the plastic in the part of their product? Um, bad wording on my part, the manufacturer may sell to select companies and consumers, but the company sells a lot of products and they can make the plastic in-house. Thank you. Okay. So first of all, I don't get too many people that are developing a new material. Um, I've seen that over the years before. We've seen everything over the 23 years we've been in business. But David, if, if you've got a new type of plastic, you need to find a plastics manufacturer. And that plastics manufacturer may sell that to a contract manufacturer who would then manufacture products with their injection mold using that type of plastics to another company. So if it's literally a new type of plastic you've engineered, I don't know, you know chemicals and you know all that stuff. That's kind of crazy. Um, that's cool. You're probably going to be trying to license that to a, a plastics manufacturer, you know, not a manufacturer that would use plastic that they bought from somebody else that then they would use do the contract manufacturing for a consumer product company. So you're a few rungs down the chain. And um, I think it's very interesting that you have such a background that you could engineer a two type, new type of plastic. Pretty cool. Um, hopefully that helps you out there. Um, so today's theme's uh, about taking action. You got about half the amount of thumbs up as we have people that are on live. Oh, there's Steven calling me. I guess he forgot I was on my live stream. Um, we have about half the amount of people that are on live that it give me a thumbs up. So the rest of you can give me a thumbs up. I really appreciate that. It helps the YouTube algorithm. I appreciate it so much. Um, let's see. Im, Imbentong Bentong. Okay. I know. I don't know. That's, that's their handle. I submitted a product to a toy company about a month ago and they passed on it, but were kind enough to give feedback. Oh, that's great. Um, when I asked what they are looking for, and fast forward to now, I have a product in that category, how to best approach them again. Wow, that's great, man, that's fantastic. So that's where today's theme is taking action. So he submitted them a product and then he used the opportunity to say, what are they looking for? And because they weren't interested in that particular product, they gave him an idea. Now he came up with an idea that's in that category. So I would just say that, I would say, hey, I submitted you a product before, I kind of asked you what generally what you're looking for. And now I have a product in that category and here's my sell sheet, okay? So keep, you're, you're acting like a pro, first of all, that's fantastic, you're doing great. Most inventors don't do that. They just get disappointed, a company said no, and they don't realize they made a relationship with that company by them saying no. You know, if you sent them something good and then they said no, preferably if what you sent them was professional and everything, um, you made the relationship. And now the fact that they shared that with you, if you were acting all wacky and what you sent was terrible and long rambling email, terrible sell sheet, they probably wouldn't have spent the time to tell you, hey, we're looking for stuff in this area. But they did. So that probably tells me whatever you send them wasn't like super far off. You weren't looking like a wacky inventor like some people do. And so now and now they gave you an idea what they're looking for. And, you know, it's been time has passed and you're like, I got something for them. Great. So say that. So email that person back and say, hey, I, I sent something to you, whatever date. And I and you weren't interested in that product. No problem. And um, I asked you what you're looking for. And now I've got a product kind of in that space. Whoa, you're, you're in the pro category now. You're doing great. 
So talk about taking action. And sometimes the action you need to take isn't immediate. He didn't have anything that was what they were looking for at the time. He either came up with it based on the fact that it was in the back of his brain or at the front of his brain. And and then he's now he's going to go ahead and send him a new product. Now, keep it professional. You need to send a, a sell sheet or a video sell sheet that really helps them understand the product very quickly. You're in the pro category. Stay there. Don't send, oh, well, now I know them. So now I'm going to get super casual. I'll just send them a long rambling email how I solved that problem. Now, you got to still send them a marketing piece. You're not there yet. Sometimes if you've been submitting, you know, five, six, eight, ten products to a company and they really know you well and you're like, hey, can I just send you a summary of what it, then you can get away with that sometimes with some companies, but you're not there. So make sure to make a professional presentation. Um, I don't know how to pronounce your handle, but I'll just call you IB. You're, you're doing great, man. You're doing fantastic. Good on you. Um, my Two Cents, who's a regular, says, I sent a gambling poker game into Hasbro and got rejected within two days. That's great. That's fantastic. You can move on now. I think they don't want that kind of game. So I decided to not be the guy, kind of, kind of got, guy who got a kid started on gambling i have more games okay well submit to other companies that's fine i don't know if you look at hasbro and you look at all their games i don't know if any of them are gambling games or not but if there aren't don't have a single one that might have been the problem you know definitely so but you've probably got a ton of other companies that do sell gambling type games to kids and or adults and so you got a whole ton of licensees most of our students are reaching out to at least 20 or 30 companies and three or four people initially in each of those companies. Almost no inventors are doing that. Again, another reason why our students are successful. Now they have the right marketing and they have the right companies and they're reaching out to the right people in the right way. And then when they get interested, they're saying the right things. That's why we call ourselves Invent Right. Um, <laughs> but I don't normally say that, but that's why we named our business Invent Right because we were feeling like back when we started 23 years ago, almost every inventor is doing like the vast majority of things wrong. So that's why we named our company Invent Right. Um, so yeah, just keep going, man. You're in the game, my two cents. You're doing great. Um, Sean said, best advice for a design patent, how do I file it? Uh, my best advice is most of the time, don't file it. Again, anything that I share with you today should not be considered legal advice. Um, so most of the time, a design patent is useless. Sometimes it can be fantastic. So I think I went over this last time. A design patent is the way something looks. It's literally just a drawing, okay? When you file a provisional patent or a provisional utility patent, because a provisional patent is basically a utility patent, you can talk about the functionality of it. Oh, is it here? It is this, and that. None of that with a design patent. So if somebody, like if you get a design patent, it looks like this, okay? And it's just, you change the way it looks, well, you get right around the design patent. I don't have time to go into it, but it can be very clever for certain products. But if you're just like, I want to file a design patent, I heard about it. You educate yourself on what a design patent is and what isn't. Maybe talk to a patent attorney. I'm not saying sign up with a patent attorney, but ask them if it's applicable. You can always file a design patent. And, and what bothers me is sometimes you have to be honest unethical uh, patent attorneys where they can see clearly, look, we're not gonna be able to get a patent on this. So then they move the inventor over to a design patent because they know, because you'll always get a design patent. If you, it's just a drawing. So if this is the glasses, it'd just be a drawing of the glasses, you know, and they'll always grant it to you. Whether or not it gives you any protection, because if you just change the way something looks. Now, sometimes they're right. They're like, oh, a design patent would be perfect for this. but the vast majority of the time, a design patent is useless, but at a small percentage of the time, it's it can be very useful. And occasionally, you'll want to file a design patent and a utility. But as I think I said on the last stream, so none of this is business advice. Please seek the service of an attorney if you're looking for legal advice. Sorry, none of it's legal advice. So, um, Sean, if you don't know the differences and you're asking best advice for filing a design patent, take a serious look if it makes any sense at all because most of the time it doesn't. But again, sometimes it could be fantastic and it could totally make sense. I don't have examples to show you right now that's getting super legal, but um, who told you to do it? Why are you doing it? Do you understand what a design patent is? 
if you don't know those things. So most of the time, my advice is don't file one. File a provisional patent. Now, the other piece about a design patent is you can file a provisional patent. They lower the fee from $75 to $60. You can get the software, smart IP software on eventright.com. It's 99 bucks, and you can file a provisional patent application, which is a utility, for $60. That's the patent office fee. A design patent, there is no provisional. And a design patent, the drawings have to be done a very specific way. Only a professional patent drafter should do them, in my opinion. You can't just scribble on a piece of paper and do the design patent. So you're talking at least $1,500 now. And you're also talking most of the time it's not going to protect you very well because of the nature of design patent. Okay. So, um, you know, if you can find a, an attorney that can do a, um, a free consultation, patent attorney and they could tell you what their opinion is but take it with a grain of salt don't go with one of those guys that are like oh yeah we'll just get you in a design patent because that's what you want you know tell them ask them what's applicable let them tell you oh i think a design patent would be great and and make sure they tell you why oh it would be great because of this okay because you need a very specific reason why you'd want to file a design patent in my bias view again this is not legal advice um uh, Richard said, does your program take payment options or is it a one sum payment? No, we let people pay over 12 months if they want or six months or one payment. So we show a lot of faith in our students and our students show a lot of faith in us. So when you're a coaching student of ours, you do not need to make it in one payment. Absolutely not. Um, uh, Raul, hey, Andrew, when it comes to establishing yourself as a long term product developer, do you recommend sticking to a niche, niche market? or be versatile in different industries. Well, it doesn't have to be a niche market, but staying in a market, hugely beneficial, hugely. Now, a lot of times when our students are new, they'll play around in a couple different industries and they'll find one they like and then they'll stay in it. Because, and I've said this God knows how many times, but this is one of the most important things you guys can hear. So let's say you do a kitchen cutting board, okay? Let's say that's, that's what you're doing. And um, you reach out to 30 companies, and 28 aren't interested, two show a little interest, one falls off and you end up doing a deal with the other one, okay? Well, all those ones that didn't show interest in that particular cutting board, um, when you've got another kitchen product, because they could be doing kitchen products in other spaces other than a, like adjacent, right? So the same aisle. It's like there's a cutting board, then there's a, a, a kitchen organizer or something that's or a knife holder. And you can just see looking at their product line like, oh, like, Oh, this other product, let's say it's a knife holder. They do knife holders and kitchen cutting boards. Okay, so what I'm saying is the way you make a relationship with a company is to send them your first product and for them to say no. And if you're a professional and what you send is professional and you act professional, they're putting you in that pro inventor pile, right? And so now when you come back with another product, you've established a relationship. So the more products you send, let's say you're in the kitchen space, you start to know them. You start to know the person at the company. You start to know the company product line even better. So you're reutilizing that. But if you just jump to another industry, well, now you got to make your list of 30 companies from scratch. And I'm not saying you work on another kitchen product. You might look at the 30 companies you send your kitchen cutting board to, and you're working on this new product. Let's say it's a garlic press, and you are respectful, and you are professional. This is part of being professional. And you look at those 30 companies' product lines, and you go, you know, 20 of those ones I sent my kitchen cutting board would be appropriate for my garlic press. You don't just go, well, I'm selling kitchen stuff. I'll just throw stuff up against the wall. But if you looked at their product line, you're like, those 10 uh, garlic press, not appropriate or whatever the equivalent is. Again, that's keeping you in the profile. So I'm not like, because you're in that general category that every single company you should send your new product to, but a good percentage of them. So, but when you just jump to another industry, which is fine when you're trying to feel things out. Now you've got to make your new list of 30 companies or however many, and they don't know you, you don't know them, you send them the first product, you start to make the relationship. So it's not in a niche necessarily, but when you stay in an industry, you're making relationships and you can focus more on inventing and less, it's still a lot of outreach guys, but you've made those relationships and you can just keep sending them more and more and more products, okay? Um, so who, who asked that question? That was a, oh, that was Raul. That was a wonderful question. So today is all about uh, taking action. And so, you know, that's because we have a theme today, which is we're answering people's questions. And we're also, the theme is taking action. 
So it's easier to take action and get it out to more companies if you already have the relationship. Now you took action, you made the relationship for the first product, but then you can keep utilizing that network that you've built up. So I have, I don't know, about 60% of the people, 70% of the people that are live have given me a thumbs up. If the rest of you can give me a thumbs up. And if you're watching the replay, give me a thumbs up too. It helps the YouTube algorithm. I really appreciate that. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to stop answering your questions and stare. No, just kidding. I do that every time. Just for those of you that are new, I'm just kidding. Uh, and yes, I'm hoping that the humor will get me a few more thumbs up. I'm begging. I'm begging here. Um, okay, William says, uh, for the challenge of it, I pitched a product at 3M last week. Mm, I'll tell you why in a second. I used the backdoor method of getting to them, but alas, still faced the huge brick wall that they put up. It was fun trying. Um, so now I'm pitching to one that is more open outside innovation. Again, not my first choice, but an adequate alternative. Okay, so one, he's he's purchasing to one. Okay, so he, he tried to get into 3M and he's trying to get into one other. That's two companies. Um, first of all, good on you, Greg, you're reaching out, but you will never be successful inventor reaching out to two companies for a product. Um, you know, and, and if guarantee this isn't the case with you, Greg, if you literally only had two companies, you should have never worked on the project to begin with. Now inventors think that all the time. And I look at their product and like, you got like 30, 40 companies here, or at least 20, 30 companies. So most of you, when you think you only have a few companies, it's and it's always you know the 3ms of the world what's right in front of your face you just don't know how to make your list and to do your research um but uh but that's great but 3m there are some companies out there that say you know we only accept your ideas if you have an issued patent or things like that um just run screaming and then people come to this false conclusion oh i saw a company or two that said oh i need an issued patent that's just idiocy idiocy like for you to go out and spend 10, 15K on a patent, not knowing if there's any interest, not knowing if you're going to need to make a change, it's thinking, oh, I need an issued patent before I can license it. Just give up now. That is totally not true. Most of our, all our students, almost all of them have provisional patents and they're able to license products. We have people that have come on board with us. They've filed a utility patent that's extremely common. And we're like, and they're like apologizing. Oh, Andrew, Andrew, I'm like, don't apologize. That's what you thought you needed to do. You didn't. Next time, just file a provisional. And when you, when you're working on a project, nine times out of ten, you're going to need to make some changes. Well, if you spent ten grand on a patent, you're going to spend another ten grand. If you spent sixty bucks on a provisional, you spend another sixty bucks, and you file another provisional, same provisional, you add to it, and you're protecting the earlier one and the next one. Way smarter move, right? But any company that says you have to have an issued patent in order to license to us, they're a dinosaur. It means they're not really open to innovation, okay? You don't want to bother with those companies, okay? Um, and everybody who is 3M, there's companies like 3M and Apple and Google and just don't bother. Now, there's very large companies that are in a big box store like a Walmart or a Target or a Lowe's or a Rite Aid or whatever. You can license to them all day long. But when it's the biggest of the big, what I call the mega corporations, the 3Ms, the Procter and Gambles, the Kraft Foods, the the uh, Johnson and Johnson, the um, uh, you know, show me an example of anything they ever licensed. Okay, you don't need companies that big. They don't need you. They don't want to innovate, and if they do, they want to do it internally. Okay. And when you so, but there's plenty of really big companies you can license to that are in major retailers, and that's a very small fraction of them. But that's what a lot of people think they should reach out to. I'll reach out to the biggest of the big. Well, you just go a little bit down, a lot down, and you can license to those. Okay. Um, do, do, do. Yeah, but you know, William said, "Hey, I had fun with it. I tried. You know, but." You know, I, I, the only, th only thing that our students have ever gotten from 3M is an attorney grilling them on the intellectual property, and they weren't even able to talk to the marketing person, okay? I remember I had one student that had a friend that worked in 3M, and then they introduced them to somebody in 3M that they knew. They talked to the person. They went all of nowhere. The person was really nice, 
But I'm like, that's going all of nowhere. And guess what? It went all of nowhere. Okay. Because they're just, they put up too many walls. That shouldn't be discouraging to you. I'm talking about a few mega corporations. So get real. Don't bother. Okay. Uh, my two cents said, Andrew, you jumped over Edgar and Jess's above between. You know, I don't know why sometimes I miss these. It's like I, let's see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like YouTube doesn't show it or I'm just talking too fast or whatever. Have you had any inventions ever pitched to professional sports leagues like football, basketball, baseball? I have a potential product that I would pitch to one of the, one of them. No, you don't pitch to them, people. You're not going to approach. Um, so, yes, you can do that, Edgar and Jess. You don't pitch to the NFL. You don't pitch to Major League Baseball. You don't pitch to a certain sports team. Okay, What you do which will limit your list of potential licensees. You license to a manufacturer that sells products and already has that license. Because when you're talking about major league uh, football or baseball or hockey or any of those, they will license their, their name to manufacturers that can put NFL or sports teams or players' names on a jersey, on a football, on a mug, on whatever, okay? So, you don't try to convince companies to do that. You don't try to convince the sports teams to do that or the leagues to do that. You look at a company that's manufactured coffee mugs or hats or apparel or whatever, and you like, oh, that's what they already do because that's what licensing is, guys. You are getting people to do what they already do. They're already in a particular retailer. Great. You're not going to tell them to be in the retailer. They're already in a Walmart. I already know they know how to do that. So I'm going to show it to them. Or they're already selling hats with the NFL on it. Okay. They obviously have the license with the NFL, but to go to the company and say, you know, you should put the NFL on there or to go to a football league and say, Hey, I want you to sell this product. You are just wasting your freaking time beyond belief. So now the list of potential licensees gets kind of small there sometimes, sometimes not so much. Some major sporting teams, they do so much licensing. There's all sorts. There's a company that's making bobbleheads, making coffee mugs, making um, other, you know, uh, I don't know, paraphernalia, collector stuff. Paraphernalia is probably not the right term. Um, or clothing or different things like that. There are a lot of companies doing that. You license to those companies. So I'm glad I was able to help out there. Did I, was there somebody else I missed there too? Let me go back and see. I don't think I missed anybody else. Let's see who somebody was helping me. Um, oh, okay. It, my two cents was just letting me know that I just skipped Edgar and Justice. Um, Raul said, Sean just reminded me what to do when companies ask for a patent in their submission portal and we should submit regardless and provide one later if the idea gets accepted question mark so you know this you guys are inventors you don't need to follow rules screw rules do things that make sense that doesn't piss companies off but when a company I have so many inventors that first of all steven and i, I think portals are a waste of time a page on a company's website go in the back door go through them linkedin go through any other way Submitting through their portal is a waste of time. But if you insist on submitting through a portal and it asks for a patent number, just write patent pending. If it will take it, then just write patent pending and submit it, okay? But in the vast majority of cases, um, the portal on a company's website is a black hole and rookie green inventors love going there and they wonder why they're not getting any results when our students are going around into the back door via LinkedIn, via email, via phone, and they're not submitting through a company's portal. But if you insist on submitting through a company's portal, just because it says patent number, just write patent pending if you file the provisional for 60 bucks. And they can't see what you have, which is great. It's a great thing you can file a provisional and do that. Um, okay, so um, I just wanna talk a little bit about, about taking action. It's hard to take action when you don't know what action to take. It's hard to take action when you're taking the wrong action, but think you're taking the right action. So Stephen and I are, are befuddled. I don't ever use that word. We're, we're always amazed at, and maybe we just do these YouTube shows and people get feel empowered, so they move forward. We're always, which we're all about, 
But we're always amazed at why in, in the inventing world, inventors make all these assumptions about how you properly license a product and why so many of the assumptions are so wrong. Where in other areas, people will go, I wanna seek an advisor. I wanna get some good advice on this. And, and there's so many assumptions, but people don't reach out right. They don't take action right. They don't do things in the right order. They don't do the things that they do correctly. And it's all based on nobody else telling them what to do. I'll give you just one example is like, well, I got an idea. I told my uncle, he said it was great. And he said, you better get a patent on that. So I ran to a patent attorney. Well, what the frick did your uncle know about licensing? Nothing. But everybody thinks like the first thing to do is get a patent. And it's not. First thing to do is your market research, you know, and figure out who your potential licensees, but people don't know how to do that. So what they do is they, they spend money that they don't need to spend to get a false sense of moving forward. Filing a patent is truly a false sense of moving forward. You know, I had a gentleman call me up today and he said, oh, can I speak to Paul? And I said, oh, you know, was he your coach? And he said, no, he was my coach. And he, he was a co his coach a while back. I think it was a good year ago. And he said, I want to call this. I'm not kidding, guys. This happened just this morning. He said, I want to call him and thank him. He said, I didn't, I didn't like what you guys were telling me. You were telling me, don't, it's not all about patents, it's blah, blah, blah. But then I signed up, I got Paul's help, and now I understand. I've seen the light. He didn't say that, but that's basically what he's saying. He didn't say, I've seen the light. But I understand how things work, and I just wanted to call him and say thank you. Thank you for putting me into the right mindset. I, I don't usually get a call like that from a former student. Usually it would be an email. I thought it was so cool that he called and he wanted to talk to Paul, so I put him on Paul's calendar, and I didn't talk to Paul since then. But, I mean, we're, we're not saying stuff to be arrogant. We're not saying stuff to be um, special. We really, truly want to help people and get people in the right mindset. We really care about our fans and about our students, and we want to help people invent right, not invent wrong. And, and um, everything that we teach people, it's to help people do better, to have a higher chance of success, whether you're a fan of ours, or whether you're a student of ours. The thing is we have tighter control of a student of ours because we're having conversations with them. We can see them going off on a tangent, we can bring them back. We can't do that with people watching our videos, but we can at least get people somewhere on the right path with things like this. So they're not gonna just flailing about completely um, or we catch them before they make that mistake. I'm sure patent attorneys hate us. If we caught them before where help people realize they can file a provisional patent on their own, um, and that the, the patent's not the first thing to do, you know, then, um, then that's great. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Anyway, there was my, my ramble. If I could get maybe a few more thumbs up, uh, we're getting close to everybody that's on has a thumbs up. Um, and if you're watching the replay, uh, if I get a thumbs up too, that would be great. Um, uh, Sean said, he was asking a question about, a, a design patent. Can I do a, a design patent on Smart IP? Smart IP is our software that helps inventors write their provisional patent. No, you absolutely cannot because the Smart IP is about you know the words and that you write, and yeah, you include pictures with a provisional patent. But a design patent again is literally just a picture. You know, I mean, there was a book. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting story. There's a gentleman that was a patent agent, and uh, patent agent is like a patent attorney. They just can't go to court. Okay, they can file patents. And he wrote a book, How to Do Patent Drawings, you know, for the layman. And um, he has since, a long time ago, came up with a computer mouse that was in the handshake position. This is all public, so he wouldn't mind me talking about it. He's in a handshake position rather than like this. And he became a millionaire. I, I, um, I talked to somebody back where I used to live eons ago, 15 years ago. Um, in Silicon Valley, and they're like, oh, I saw Jack riding around in like a Lamborghini or something like that. Anyway, but back in the day, he was a, a patent agent. So he'd file patents for inventors. And he was also published this book with Nola Press, which is like probably long, long, long since out of date. Um, should You can't, I wouldn't try to do a design patent on your own. Those drawings are need to be done very specifically. So you'll need to get a patent attorney to do that. And again, you're probably gonna end up spending about $1,500. You file it as a provisional patent on your own, it's about $60. But no, our software will not help you file a design patent because it's it's literally just a drawing. 
That's what it is. You don't write anything. You don't talk about what you're protecting, any of that. So make sure to research design patents. Um, you could probably find some videos right here on YouTube that explain design patents, where they're good, where they're not. So I'd, I'd, I'd Google it and understand that a little bit more. Um, hmm. uh, Abdullah said, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, Abdullah. Alahi, I guess. I have two designs ready to submit, but I don't know where to start. Please advise. Okay, so Abdullah, you need to do research on all the products in the space of your invention. If you're doing a doorstop, you need to know all the doorstops out there. If you're doing a kitchen cutting board, if you're doing a one of our one of our folks just entered, just licensed this. One of our coaches, it's a vegetable peeler. Whatever you're doing you need to be an expert in that space. And then you need to do a marketing piece that's appropriate so you can show that to companies. Companies don't have time to listen to you ramble on an email. Oh, I came up with something. Can I talk to you? Like they don't have time for that. Um, and then you need to figure out who your potential licensees are. You guys might take a look at, if you go to InventRight and then you click on all services, we have a, now a $29 program where it's $29 a month. And you can go through our 10 steps. That's not our one-on-one -on -one coaching, obviously. We can't do that for $29. But it has um, all the 10 steps. And so, uh, Abdulli, you know, you can take a look at that, and it will guide you through the steps you need to take. You can also just watch. We have a 1,000 videos now on YouTube. You can watch our videos, too. But the structure inside our membership site for that $29 a month membership might be a little bit more helpful to you. Um, so I can't like give you the whole outline of all our 10 steps. Also, you could buy our book, One Simple Idea, too. That is our 10 steps. It's One Simple Idea by Stephen Key, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-E-Y. So those would be two low-cost resources to get on track with the InventRight 10 steps. Um, uh, Vet says, is it likely that a company would reach out to you after you put your invention on the market? Um, no, it's extremely unlikely. It's possible. I would never try to sell your product and hope that somebody will reach out to you. We teach our students to be proactive. To launch and venture and sell a product on your own is incredible amount of work. People think like, oh, I got to prove that it sells. I'm like, okay, you're selling 50 or 100 units a year. You're doing the opposite of that. They're going to look at you and go, well, that's all you're selling? Like we would be selling 10,000 units a month. You know, oh, no, we're not interested. It can actually hurt you. So don't think you need to, most of our students haven't sold a single unit. We have do people that have ventured the product and selling it themselves and then jump on licensing it. So you can do that, but it is not required to do a licensing deal at all. So, um, and to like be on the market and expect companies to reach out to you, competitors to then try to license it, that's not gonna help it happen in a million years. I've had a few instances where I've seen it happen. It was very, 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 very rare. Um, but it wasn't really that. It was like, and most of the time when somebody reaches out to you and you're trying to sell it in some sort of small scale, it's some scammy invention promotion company trying to scam you out of money or something like that. When you file, usually that happens when you file a patent. You file a patent and then these invention promotion companies will reach out to you. Hey, we can help you. And you get all this stuff. And people are like, hey, Andrew, is, these guys want to help. I'm like, are they asking you for money? I'm like, that's not a licensing deal. Like what? You know, and what's their track record? Oh, there's no record of success at all. I mean, if you go to our website and you click on that link I gave you guys earlier, um, you're going to see all these products our students have on the market today. And make sure to enter that contest, too, um, where we're giving away three of our students' products every week. Um, you can enter that contest. So that's If you page up in the chat, you'll see it. Um, so it's extremely unlikely a company would reach out to you and say, hey, we want to license this thing now because they're going to see you as a competitor, you know? Um, but if you've been venturing it, can you try to actively reach out and try to license it? Absolutely you can. We've had many students do that. Um, but don't think that you have to sell a product in order to intrigue them. Like they're going to be like not impressed with your minuscule sales, right? Cause they're like huge. Maybe they're selling 20,000, 50,000, half million units a year. And then you have to make excuses. Oh, you know, but I was just testing it, blah, 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 blah. You do not need to do that in order to do a licensing deal. Show them your sell sheet, show them the benefit of your product, and let them use their imagination on how great this product could be and how much it could sell. That's what our students do. It works. Um, this person doesn't have a handle. That's really a trip. Um, I have another outdoor UV garment that I'm looking to license, and all 
apparel companies state on their website not to submit or disclose anything to them via their website. So yeah, the fashion industry is is brutal. Um, all they do is knock each other off, you know, and there's no form of protection for most fashion ideas. If it's a fashion idea that has functionality and utility, you know, the headset jack goes here or there, or I've had students work on a new kind of shoelaces that automatically tie for kids or things like that. Automatically sounds weird, but you know what I mean. Um, then you can license that stuff. But, you know, the, the fashion industry, they protect themselves with trademarks. So, you know, Donna Karen comes out with this new dress. There's 10 other companies knocking it off because you can't really protect that, um, that cut of the dress. It's very hard to protect clothing. Um, but if they use the name Donna Karen or Ralph Lauren or whatever, boy, they're going to kick your butt, right? So they protect themselves with trademarks. And so they're not really in a mindset like, we want to license inventions. We're a clothing company. Now, if there was a company making all sorts of innovative shoelaces or something, and you had a new shoelace and its functionality, yeah, you could license that. So there are exceptions. But for the most part, the fashion business is brutal. I wouldn't get into it. Now, if it's functional clothing and you can find companies making functional clothing, that can be an exception. I mean, there's some people out there, the woman that did Spanx and stuff like that. So that can be the exception, but it's still it's still a very tough category. Um, Patricio, by chance, I discovered an industry by looking at the ideas I'd come up with. Okay, I don't know what that means. Do you have a question, Patricio? Feel free to type it in. I'm not sure what to say to that. Um, uh, my Two Cents says, that's their handle. I love your interview with Paul Sorensen. Can you do an interview with Paul on just game licensing, including board, dice, and outdoor games? Uh, thanks. Yeah, that's an interesting request. Um, I wonder if we've done... We must have done some success stories with our students that have licensed board games or car games at some point. I need to dig that up. We have over a thousand videos on YouTube, guys. I've lose track of all the videos we've done. I would go to our channel, InventRight TV, and type in card game or board game or um, something like that and see if you can find it, uh, my two cents. I think we may have already done an interview with one of our students that licensed bar board or card games and maybe gotten into that sort of thing. Um, but thank you for the request. I'll definitely consider it. It's kind of niche, but we do have we've had quite a few students work on products in those those areas. Um, uh, Sean says my idea is a, he was the guy with the, the wanted to file a design patent. My idea is plain and simple. That's why it's a design patent. That's not a reason for a design patent, Sean. Um, if your idea is plain and simple, but it has functionality, um, I would definitely get a provisional patent application. Um, and you know, here's a weird thing, guys, you could, you could be fairly certain. No, I don't think I get a patent on this. You can legally still file a provisional patent application if you're uncertain and legally still say patent pending. Cause when you file a provisional, you can file, you can file it and legally say patent pending. It doesn't even have to be a strong one. You did your best, you wrote it. So you can still give that perceived protection. Okay. Cause provisional patent applications aren't patents guys. They're placeholders where if later you file a full utility within the year and reference that provisionally, you'll have protection from that date and the date you filed it, but they're not patents. Um, they're not getting reviewed. A lot of people that are new might not know that. Um, and and you, But you can still legally say patent pending. Patent office isn't grilling you going, oh, is this real protection or not? There, there are no formal requirements for what you put in a provisional patent. You could scribble on a piece of a piece of paper with a crayon and mail that in. Nobody's mailing them anymore. It's always electronic, but do the PDF and send it in. Um, and they would, you could legally still say patent pending. Now, don't do that, of course. You know, do a good job with it. That's why we guide people to do that. And that's why we have software that helps people do that. Um, Donna said, do you have the a link the UK can use to buy support InventRight students Andrew, thanks. Um, they talk about, okay. So um, this is from Nana. Uh, we've had students in over 65 countries, tons of students in the UK. Um, we help them the same as we help anybody. Um, and you know, you just gotta look at the time difference and then find a coach that's available in that time difference. So there really isn't any different than how you approach it in the UK. Most of our UK students, they're gonna focus mostly in the US and, and Canada and in Europe as well. But 
the vast majority of the deals our students do are in the US and Canada. Europe is a little bit harder to license to, but it's definitely doable. But if you're in Europe and you're only focusing on European companies, you are doing it wrong. Um, go ahead, be proud of your country or Europe and try to license into companies in the, those countries, but they're a little bit more resistive. The market's not as big. If you're not reaching out to the US and Canadian companies or European companies that are big in the US and Canada, to me, that's the same as a US company, okay? Um, you're doing it wrong. Um, so I wasn't really, I'm not really clear. Do you have the link the UK can use to buy and support InventRight students? Oh, okay. Yeah, so just page up at the top of the chat. Um, let me see if I can find it here. And I'll paste that link to the, the buyer's guy in the, and yeah, it's right here. So this this is, you can also, guys, I just put the link in there. You can enter the contest and every week we are giving away three of our students' products. So you can buy their products on that link too. Thank you, Donna. Um, okay, my two cents, they talk about games, but don't talk about the specific part, licensing part. Okay, I, you know, I, you know, sometimes people go, oh, do you have a coach that's particular in this area? And I'm like, licensing is licensing. It's a dog toy or a medical device or a game. Are there certain things that are specific to um, games or card games? Um, yeah, there are a few things, but licensing is licensing. You show the benefits, you intrigue them with the benefit of the product, and um, and then they license it. Now, a specific thing for a card or a board game is unless the product has functionality and utility, I'll give you an example that of one that does that old game mousetrap where there's moving parts and stuff. Most of the time with board games and card games, you're protecting um, the rules simply with a copyright. And you can just put the C on there or you can file it to the Library of Congress, whatever you prefer. That's a unique thing to board games and card games that is not true of other categories, guys. Don't go, well, Andrew said I could just file a copyright my invention. No, I'm talking about if you're, if you are doing a board game or a card game. Again, that's not legal advice. So that's one unique thing, but that's just like a side note on the intellectual property. Intellectual property is not as important as um, as like knowing how to reach out to companies, making a good marketing piece. And yeah, is the sell sheet going to be different for a dog toy than a board game? Yes. Um, but any of our coaches can guide our students through all of that. So let's see what else we got here. Oh, uh, Donna said, I meant to enter the competition and buy what students make. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, with the way the rules work, I think only U.S. students can enter the giveaway because it's too hard to comply with all the different countries. So read through the rules there. I think our marketing manager, I think, unfortunately, if you're not in the U.S., you won't be able to enter the giveaway, um, I believe. But read through the rules there. Um, Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Daniel said, hey, Andrew, I heard that inventors should invent for the market and avoid random inventions. Do you have any tips or resources to do this? It is my main struggle, thanks. Most inventors will come up with random ideas. It was a problem they had or something they observed and they came up with a solution. 95% of inventors are doing that. But the best way to invent is to study a micro category. So if you study all the kitchen cutting boards, you study all the doorstops, you have no invention. And it's very easy to do on Google Images and maybe on Amazon too. Google Images is my favorite because you're seeing the pictures and you can just click through them real quick. And you're like categorized. Oh, there's like, you know, these doorstops do this. Those do that. These do this. These has the, the, the features go from this to this to this. Oh, the price ranges from this to this. No invention. But as an inventor, because you guys are all creative, you're getting all this visual stimulation in all these products. And maybe it comes to you right then. Maybe it comes to you the next day. Maybe when you're in the shower, maybe when you're driving, you bookmark all that stuff. You come back to it a week later, a month later, whenever. And you look at all the doorstops that you bookmarked. If you're researching doorstops, it's a micro category. You can't research all the security devices for houses or doors or whatever. Too overwhelming. Got to get it smaller. Like, um, kitchen cutting boards or barbecue spatulas or doorstops. You can't go, well, I'm going to research all the kitchen products. No, no, no. So what I'm talking about, it's a micro category, okay, smaller. Something you can become an expert in in two to four hours. And then it may come to you. And if you if it's not coming to you, you can go back. It may never come to you. But that is the best way to invent. And almost no inventors are inventing that way. Industrial designers are taught to do that. That's the pro way of doing it. Most inventors don't do it that way. 
we have students who have been with us a while. They still don't do it that way because they're they have so many ideas. They don't feel like they need to. But if you're going to do it from scratch, that is the best way to do it. Thank you for that question, Daniel. That's great. Um, if I just want to say, if you guys need more help, you can go to inventright.com and you can click on the contact us page and you can book a call with us and we'll tell you about our coaching programs and how we can help. And and uh, Sylvia and Data and myself have talked to people interested in the program. We're super friendly. We're never pushy. We just kind of go, here's how it works. Here's how we help. And you take your time. Sometimes I get people that sign up within days of talking to us and sometimes years. Like, oh, I've been following you for years. I'm finally ready to do this. Because they're not, they're not ready to take the leap yet, you know? Because um, it is a big leap going from dreaming up ideas to actually working on them. And filing a patent, making a prototype isn't working on them. Reaching out to companies, doing your research, making a sell sheet, you know, that's working on it. Don't be insulted by that. I'm not saying making a prototype isn't working on it or filing a patent isn't working on it. But if you think that that's the only work you need to do, which a lot of inventors do, then, you know, that's not true. It's just not. You, you won't move forward with your invention. You're just staying in your closet, you know. Um, so, uh, or garage, sorry, not closet. None of you are in a closet. <laughs> in the, you're in the closet. You're coming out of the closet, right, or whatever. You're, 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 you're in the garage, coming out of the garage and into the world and approaching companies is what I mean. Um, Uh, Daniel said, is the InventRight membership meant for people that already have ideas or do you guys help with idea generation as well? I love that. I love it when students come on board and they're like, train me on how to invent for the marketplace. We could totally do that, Daniel. Um, if you talk to an uh, advisor, myself, Sylvia or Dana about the program, say that's your goal and mention Andrew said we can totally do that. We need to pair you. Any coach can handle that, but just let them know ahead of time that, hey, this is what I want to do. We could totally do that. Totally do that. Do we do that for as many people as I would like to see us doing that for? No, because most people come to us with ideas, but you could totally 100% do that. The coach would freaking love it. Oh my God, somebody that wants to just invent for the marketplace and we could walk you through that process. So instead of instantly jumping to studying the marketplace because the inventor already has a product, we would be jumping into what, what categories do you want, micro categories do you want to research and then guiding you through that. I would highly recommend that you do your calls with your coach on Skype. So they can share their screen. You can look at the, you can do some Google images search together. Highly, highly, highly recommend that, especially if you're doing that. I recommend that for any of our students. Um, uh, last question, Geo is my L. I think I got that close. Um, I have an idea for the restaurant industry. I have prototypes, but I just want to show it to someone. Who do I go to? Well, you don't just show it to someone. You show it to a potential licensee a manufacturer that would manufacture that type of restaurant equipment, I'm assuming. There's a ton of companies that manufacture restaurant equipment and they sell in those restaurant supply stores. So those are the people you'd license to. So if you want to get some coaching, we can show you how to do that. Um, Daniel said, thanks for the answer, Andrew. You're welcome. If you guys have any um, thank yous, first of all, we're getting really close to the number of thumbs up. If anybody hasn't given me a thumbs up, if you could, down below, subscribe and click the notification button. If you have anything positive to say about, or negative, whatever works for you, um, about me answering your questions for an entire hour. Please type those into the chat so people watching the replay can see it. I'd appreciate that. Um, and I want to remind everybody to tip. I don't know when I end the stream, if you guys can still type into the chat. I think it, it prevents you guys from typing into the chat. And I don't know, actually, when I end the stream immediately, does it show the recording where you can continue to type question answers? So I'll, I'll just keep talking for about a minute or two. So if you guys do have any things to type in, you can you can type it. Um, I just want to say, any anybody can do this, anybody, um, if you want to, but you have to find it within yourself to do more than coming up with an idea. You have to do more than filing a patent. You have to do more than making a prototype. You do not need to run a business. You do not need to hire employees. You do not need to raise money. That big company license is going to do all that. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there, get a whole bunch of no's, and realize that every no is making a relationship with a person at a company. So you got a new idea in that area. You can send it to them. That puts a lot of people at ease going, whoa, okay. Now, when you have a coach guiding you every day, it really, really helps people keep, keep people on track. 
But if you don't have us coach you, I would highly encourage you to do the $29 membership that's on our site. If you go to InventRight and you click on all services and you look for that, I just call it the $29 program. At least do that for a month and, and do that and follow the directions in there if you're going to do it on your own. Okay. And thank you so much, guys, for typing in everything that you typed in. I want to remind you to take care and keep inventing. I always have fun with these. I love helping you guys. I don't care if people are a student or a non-student. If we can guide people and put people on the right path, that's what it, we've always been about at InventRight. All right. Take care, everybody. Keep inventing. See you.